This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Boy, Patty, what a what an exciting episode that we had uh, you have for them today with Roger McNamara and everything. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. You know, I just you know when I first spoke to Roger a couple of weeks ago, I just came away went, wow, I just learned something. You know, I mean, whenever right. you can learn something from somebody, right? He has so much really cool information. This yeah. B2B opportunity is humongous. Yeah, and I think Roger puts a really good face on it. Yeah, you know, imagine if you could go back in time to when only 8% of transactions in retail and restaurant locations were being used with a card. Knowing what you uh, know now, uh, right? That's where we're at with B2B. Like there's that big yeah. of an opportunity. So we're really excited about that. Um, in questions in the field, I talk about the three strategies I would choose from if I was starting an ISO based on if I had green agents or experienced or uh, you know payment professionals. Um, and then Patty, tell us about the Insiders Report today. Uh, talking about what merchants are, you know, what kind of uh, transactions are seeing and uh, what they anticipate. And, uh, you know, not surprisingly, uh, there's a lot of uh, emphasis on contactless. Yep. Um, but there's also a lot of optimism out there among merchants, which I think is, a, is really good. Yep. Love it. So with that being said, here we go. Let's dive into our interview with Roger McNamara. Let's dive into it. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. All right, everybody. I'm here today with Roger McNamara. Roger is the president at Guide to Interchange. How are you doing today, Roger? Hey, good morning. How are you doing, James? Nice to see you again. Yes, sir. Doing fantastic. And uh, so I'm really excited about this conversation today. So we haven't really discussed this in detail. Patty and I are going to talk to Roger about um, the needs and kind of the value proposition for selling B2B merchant accounts. So these merchants that are selling, you know, business to business transactions. Uh, and so before we dive into all the details and all the minutiae, though, Roger, we'd love to get your backstory. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this industry. I know you have an interesting story. And then how did you end up focusing on training ISOs to sell B2B merchants? Sure. Well, thanks, James. Again, uh, good morning to you and Patty, and thank you for the opportunity uh, to talk about B2B and sales training. Um, my backstory, you know, I've uh, I've been in the payment space for about 28 years. Um, I started my career in South Florida as a local rep for American Express, um, back selling door-to-door merchants in the business-to-consumer space back then. Uh, I started back when there were knuckle busters in paper and before the electronic age and uh, went through that revolution. Um, in 1997, I graduated up into kind of national sales, uh, worked through that uh, for about 17 years, signing pretty much uh, most of the household names you can think of across the U.S. today, places like JetBlue and SeaWorld and Geico Insurance and State Farm and a bunch of places like that. Uh, and then got into a leadership role, um, first at the local level with American Express, managing local sales reps in the in the sales process, and then at the national level, managing um, national managers of business development in the B two B space. Hmm. Um, round about 2012, you know, we we figured out the B two C world was ending for us because unlike the bank card world at Amex, when you sign an account, it really goes off our slate. Um, so, you know, the next evolution was uh, full bore into B2B and round about that time we, we started to uh, really take this seriously and, and, and dive deep into the B2B space. Um, earlier this year, um, I left Amex and um, I thought about uh, lots of second careers and uh, I chose this one as a sales trainer and uh, it's working out pretty good now training in the B2B space. That's really cool, Raj. Um, you know, if you could, if you wouldn't mind setting it up for our audience, you know, 
talk if you could talk to us a little bit about B2B payments and, and what's the uh, opportunity here for, for ISOs and agents? Yeah, so the opportunity is a huge one. You know, the B2B payment space is about, uh, depending on who you talk to, it's somewhere between uh, 10 and $20 trillion of opportunity. But here, here's some key stats that are really relevant for the ISO community. Only 8% of transactions today in the B2B space go on plastic, meaning hmm. 92% go somewhere else. So they're going to check, wire, right. and ACH. Uh, and there's a reason for that, Patty. There's a reason because the merchant base, known as the suppliers um, in, in this space, perceive credit and credit cards uh, and plastic in general to be the most expensive alternative. Right. So it's not surprising that the share is where it is. Uh, it hasn't been rising much. We've seen a check decrease a little bit at the expense of ACH as ACH has gotten more efficient. Mm -hmm. um, but but wire and and ACH are, are are real formidable competitors to the plastic space today. So that kind of frames up the industry. It's a huge opportunity out there. Hmm. And, and really, Patty, if you can think about it, you know, a B two B transaction, unlike a business to consumer transaction, can be uh, can be monetized three times during the life cycle before the the actual product gets to a consumer level. So you've got a manufacturer. You've got a distributor and you've got a wholesaler in that in that breath. You can capture that transaction up to three times in the process. And mm. um, so it can be a huge opportunity. So everything invoiceable, it can be converted to plastic. Mm. It's so interesting you say this. I mean, the, the percentage you just said is crazy. Eight percent. So 92 percent of all B2B transactions right now are not running over on plastic. Uh, which is insane. That's amazing. Like that's a huge yeah. opportunity. Um, yeah. Now this next question I have for you is interesting and it really sets up uh, for me because um, you know, the whole idea of this conversation is that there's this value proposition around selling B2B merchants. Right. Um, and to illustrate how our industry thinks about this, <clears throat> I will, will be transparent with our audience. I initially sent a list of questions to Roger when he said, Hey, we talk about B2B sales. Oh, okay. All my questions are about interchange optimization. Right. right. Which is, uh, you know, definitely uh, we'll talk about as an interesting part of the equation. But then I ended up having to redo all my questions for Roger because I realized, no, 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 that's not what he does. He's actually creating this whole concept of value. So talk to us about the pain points like for B2B merchants. What are their kind of main pain points um, that you're going after when you're building the sales approach? Yeah, James, that's a fantastic question. So uh, the, the number one pain point in uh, the supplier base is cost. So they, they have this perception that plastic is the most expensive payment method they, they can offer a buyer. Um, and to some extent they're correct, but they're a little misinformed. And unfortunately they've been led down the path through years of erroneous acceptance to this place. And what do I mean by that? So if you look at a B2B merchant today, their perception is that there's a two to 3% cost. And there's this thing thrown in there that really changes the dynamic of the transaction. So let's, let's just think about a business to consumer transaction for a second. Right now, if I want to go in and buy something in a store, I walk in, I buy it, I go to the counter, I pay, and the transaction is over. That's a typical B2C transaction. However, in the B2B world, that's not how it happens. Typically, you buy something, but you don't pay for it. You get term. And that term is what causes the plastic transaction to become increasingly expensive. Because if I give that buyer term, and at the end of that term, that buyer shows up to pay and wants to settle with a card, that supplier effectively has financed that transaction twice. They finance the receivable for that period of time, and they finance the cost of the transaction. So now you start to see why the supplier base looks at plastic and says, this is a very costly proposition to me. What we've done is we've kind of flipped that. So we, we look at that transaction and in our process, we teach how to unpack it, how to take it out of the term process and create and quantify the value that you deliver with the plastic that you are gonna give that, that supplier. And it's very effective in the way we're able to show the ISO seller today, the cost of accelerating cash, the cost of efficiencies in the transaction and some other benefits as well. So let me see if I can unpack this for our audience a little bit and, and tell me if I'm saying this correctly. I think I'm understanding it now, which is 
um, you know, I'm a supplier. <clears throat> and so let's say I'm selling something to a business, uh, you know, $10,000. Maybe I'm, I'm a food supplier and I sell a restaurant $10,000 worth of, you know, ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is, you know, the normal way this works is as a supplier, I'm going to go ahead and provide those ingredients to the restaurant and say, you have 30 or 60 days or whatever it is to pay me, right? Um, now, the problem, of course, is I still have to come up with that $10,000. So either I'm using my own cash, which is unlikely, or I'm financing. So I'm borrowing 10, I'm the supplier, I'm borrowing 10 grand from my bank or from a short term finance, whatever, right? That's going to finance the paper. And so I'm paying interest on the 10,000 short term interest, which is generally very high. Then at the end of the 30, 60 days, the restaurant reaches out and says, okay, we're ready to settle. We're going to use our Visa Platinum Business Rewards Card. And I go, ah, right. oh, I just paid all Ouch. the interest on the 10 grand. Now I have to pay another 3%. So is, is that an accurate description of what you're talking about here? Absolutely. Now you're starting to see why only 8% of transactions <laughs> come on plastic. Exactly. And, and it's not because there isn't demand. Right. That person using that super duper platinum card wants to use it at that merchant. Right. And and that supplier would love to get that payment, but not under the, cir the circumstances that sure. he's taking today. Now, um, so so you can imagine this when an ISO walks in today, asks for a statement, and says he can save that supplier a penny or two. He's really only adding salt to the wound because he still doesn't want that cost. He's still not right. addressing what the core issue is. And that's the fundamental issue in this space that we've addressed. Right. And so I, it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, in, in our industry, we look at something called like the effective rate. Right. So we would look at it and say total fees divided by total volume is, you know, let's say two and a half, three percent or whatever it is for that merchant. And we're saying, hey, we can take you from three percent to two and a half with optimization or, or whatever. What you're saying is that's not enough. If we want to sell B2B merchants, we have to kind of change the game and change the rationale and the whole value proposition, right? Yeah, and, and here's another reason why you have to do it. Um, there's increasing competition from the fintech sector that's coming into this space, which is participating in the digital revolution. So we've all heard about this buzzword, digital revolution. You know, businesses are getting away from paper and invoices and they're going electronic. And in order to do that, they're bringing in these fintech companies mm -hmm. who, are, who are digitizing not only that process of the invoice, but all of the payment process. So they're digitizing the ACH, the check, the wire. And here's the thing, they're not really in tune with the value of credit because they're taking a piece of the action from all of the transactions. So the, the ISO is kind of getting isolated here because he's not playing in the same field. And we bring them back into that game by teaching him this method to make him ultra competitive with not only the fintechs, but also when he's in front of the, the, the supplier to get talk their language. Right, right. So, so, I mean, cash flow, you know, the impact of speed of payment, I mean, obviously there's a, there's an implication there, right? Uh, can you kind of speak to that in terms of the speed of payment and how it affects their bottom line? Absolutely. So um, cash flow is very important in the B2B space. So um, there's a rough rule of thumb that for every day you wait for payment, it costs you about two basis points. Wow. So, um, yeah. So if you can imagine if you're waiting uh, 60 days for your money on right. average, that's about 120 basis points that it's costing you. In addition, as James pointed out, to what it's costing you on the financing side of it as well. So mm -hmm. You know, it's a double whack and then you're paying on top of that. So um, we teach a method that that allows you to uh, help that business to accelerate that payment and then take value for it. So there is a lot of things that go on in a B2B space that do not happen in the business consumer space. The transactions can be very fluid. The card members, the people who want to use at these suppliers are willing to exchange term for use of card in some cases, and that can be negotiated. Or the merchant can position credit as an alternative to term, take value for the actual acceleration that they, they get, and then be able to take that, that uh, card member's transaction without any, any resistance. So there's a lot of options here that we teach, uh, but today there is no option being presented to these suppliers. It's just hammering on top of them more of a bad practice that they've been currently conducting. And that's why, again, we're seeing the resistance in this space. So it sounds like what you're saying is, um, you know, in the example I used a little bit ago, let's go back to the supplier with the $10,000 uh, ingredient order from the restaurant. 
you know, you're saying that supplier could maybe go to that restaurant. You would teach these these business to business suppliers to say, if you want to use your card, you can use your card for term, you know, or you can wait 30 to 60 days and pay us a check. Right. Absolutely. Is that kind of absolutely. 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 And again, there are some gateways out there that have some features built into them that allow for this. So, you know, just because uh, you have a gateway and maybe you're not utilizing it to the fullest extent um, because you don't realize this, but there could be a payment date set in the gateway that allows for um, payment with card up to this term, 10 days after that, it Mm -hmm. goes to ACH or check thereby giving oh. the supplier oh. the best of both worlds. I love yeah. that. So, yeah. and, and I, t- I talk a little bit about this in, 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 in other ways on my blog, et cetera, where I talk about, you know, our kind of community has put the cart before the horse. So we've got these tools out there like gateways, right. but we don't really understand them enough to use them to right. create value for the sales proposition. Right. This is one of the ways that that can be done. So yeah. huh. uh, I, I Again, there's some huge opportunity here. And again, the idea is to make the supplier comfortable. You don't want him to do the transaction. You want him to accept the transaction. Hmm. And we we kind of teach that method where it it allows the ISO to go in, be very conversational about this, and understand it holistically, not just from a credit perspective, but against all the other payment methods that they're competing against for their space to increase their share. James, Patty, I often hear from ISOs, you know, after they take the training that they uh, had a merchant who was doing 100,000 a month in B2B. And they always felt that that merchant would do more. And then the volume increases to a million or a million and a half because they've given that supplier a process that they now can work with that allows them to be cost effective, not like they were before. Sure. Yeah, I love it. So, so when we're talking about this idea of the effective rate versus the effective cost, right? So the effective rate being total fees divided by total volume, it's very kind of isolated is the word you used. It's like, this is just payments. We want to move more to this idea of effective cost and saying, you know, what is the effective cost of accepting these transactions? There's a lot of moving pieces, which I know we don't have nearly enough time to cover everything here, but let's touch on tax implications for a second. So when when we're analyzing one of these transactions and the cost, the effective cost of of accepting plastic, how does taxes, uh, you know, how does that that figure into the equation? Sure. So tax is really important. Um, There are two other really key components, too. I would tell you there's probably five things that are of major value to the supplier. But the first two are the accelerated value of the cash. The second is the operational efficiencies that you deliver. And that's a whole section by itself. Uh, and they're quantifiable. And then the third is the tax element. So um, the cost of credit is a business expense and it's tax deductible. And we teach uh, ISOs how to incorporate that into their net effective cost. Uh, It's a very, very effective tool. Uh, Most suppliers are kind of aware of it, but not aware of it, but not sure about it. And it's really clear um, what the benefit is here. And it's huge. Yeah, And and again, um, it's going to become even more impactful if if, uh, the corporate tax rate is increased, because the higher that corporate tax rate goes, the better the benefit it is to the business. So it's one of the key elements we show. We show ISOs how to quantify that. We show them the value of it. We show them how to present that to the actual supplier in a holistic format. And we give them all the backup documents. So if anybody should ever question them, say, hey, this is this is funny math. It's not actually, it's right. real. Here it is. This is the regulation. So let's see, because I, I I had a hard time. Sorry, Patty. I had a hard time with this one initially. <clears throat> so let me see if I can break down the way it finally made sense to me. Which cool. Was, that's what I was going to do. Go yeah, ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, so the idea here is, uh, you know, let's say, again, I'm the supplier. I have this $10,000 transaction. And let's say that the cost of accepting this piece of plastic is 2.5%. So that's $250. You're saying that $250 is, of course, tax deductible because it's an expense. So I'm not going to pay tax on that $250. Otherwise, I would have, right? So if my corporate tax rate, let's say, is 30%, just to use some rough numbers here, um, then, you know, what is that, $75 or something like that, where $75 of that $250 is not actually an effective cost because I'm going to get a tax write off and I'm going to be able to keep more of my money. Absolutely. So, you know, you're in, you're in a call and, and your, your supplier is telling you credit is too much. Now you have the ability to push back and say, no, my cost is not two and a half to 3%. My cost is X and it's substantially less. And I will tell you 
that in some cases, when we look at these things, it's 50, 60 basis points is the net effective cost after right. you take into account these things. Now, we haven't even touched on the value of customer service of or course. level two, level three data, because um, unfortunately, our community leads with level two and level three data, mm -hmm. and it's always not viable. Um, it's always not there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes the merchants can't even gather that information up and, right. and they're not accepting cards that qualify for it. So we, we, we give them all the tools to show them the five components of, of value mm -hmm. and then whichever they can apply to the situation they're in, they use and come up with a net effective cost. And it's very effective. I mean, I've presented this to thousands and thousands of merchants over my career and merchants will turn around to you and they will say, I had no idea. No one's ever shown me this way. I've always looked at credit as being the most expensive piece right. of uh, mm -hmm payment I use. And in a lot of cases, you're getting it competitive with the other forms of payment. Right. And that's what you want to do because you want to open up your opportunity for as much volume to come through. There's no point in doing all the work to get $100,000 worth of volume when you could be getting a million. Right. You know, give yourself the best chance to get the best return from the account. And again, there are literally thousands of B2B merchants out there today that are accepting and not accepting. Right. And there's an opportunity on both sides of the equation. Well, and it sounds like there's an opportunity in the middle for those that are accepting, but not accepting as much as they could. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and, and it would seem to me also, Roger, that, you know, it actually makes uh, credit all the more cheaper because when you're borrowing, you know, when you're borrowing or you're, you're, you're you know, you're taking 60 days to, to collect that, that cost is not a tax deduction. Absolutely. Patty, here's the one thing that it does that most people don't realize. It shifts the risk responsibility. Right, right. So if yeah. I'm a supplier and I have multiple buyers and I can shift that risk to someone else, yeah. not only am I saving with shifting the risk, but I'm saving the cost of actually risking them, right, which isn't right. cheap either. So there are all these downstream effects that we show uh, uh, the people who take our training that they can go in and be intelligent about and talk to the suppliers about that they have no idea or they don't think this way, but those are huge things that you can shift in the balance and, and they, they produce enormous savings in this space. Hmm. You know, it's, it's funny. I was on a call a couple of years ago out in the Midwest somewhere, talked to a, a, a large trucking company that was doing the, these numbers are st staggering $800 million in credit. And, um, I said to the gentleman, I said, uh, when was the last time you spoke to your, your Visa MasterCard provider? And he said, eight years ago when we signed up. Ooh. So you, you <laughs> start to see, and I have no idea what, what he was paying or what the opportunity right. was, but I'm sure there was for somebody. These are the types of accounts. Now, I'm not suggesting they're all $800 million accounts. Right. There, are, there are accounts in all sectors of the business, but this is wide open territory for for yeah. ISOs to jump into and to be effective in. And it sounds like either we're going to get it or the fintechs are going to get it, right? So it's... Well, yeah. And, and, and I can tell you this, the, the ISO community's knowledge of credit is so superior here that yeah. this as an add-on will right. be huge benefit to them. Yeah, sure. yeah I agree. Sure. So I want to touch on one more real quick, which is interchange optimization. Um, but I want to mm -hmm. frame this a little bit because, you know, for our audience to really understand where, where we're going, you know, we're talking about taking this presentation from saying you're two and a half, three percent cost to accept plastic. And you're saying, well, wait, there's operational efficiency. So now we're down to maybe a two percent effective cost. And then, well, there's tax implications. Now we're down to one and a half. And then there's, you know, uh, that you're saving the cost of, of, you know, having to finance it. Now we're down to, you know, so what's happening is we're chipping away to get down to that 50 basis point number in some cases. So talk about interchange optimization. I know it's only one kind of you know, uh, you know, cog in the wheel here, but talk about yeah. that a little bit. How does that impact the, the value, uh, you know, proposition? It's huge. It's number four on the list of value pillars that we, we present to a merchant. Um, it can be extremely beneficial up to a half a basis point in value. Um, and, but we got to be careful with it. You know, right. we can't lead with it. It isn't, it isn't something we always know. So we got to be smart about where it takes place. Uh, and what it is, you know, uh, uh, on some cards, um, it's built in uh, and, and it's very easy to identify. And some some gateways have done some terrific work around interchange optimization. So you just need to be as knowledgeable as possible where it fits into the transaction and then take value for it. 
Yeah. Um, but I would caution, you know, we've kind of got into a little bit of a comfort zone uh, in, in the bank card world where we look at certain things as being kind of easy buttons, you know, mm -hmm. surcharging, easy button. Let me just, sure. you know, pass this off over here. Cash discounting, easy button, you know, level three data, easy button. There are things to understand about this to make it viable for your 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 um, your merchant and your supplier. So it's a huge opportunity out there. We teach it as well in our training and how to be effective with it and how to take uh, credit for it, so to speak. You know, it's funny, James. Uh, a few years ago, I was on a call where we were going through our process and. Um, we discovered that for the merchant not to take plastic on the transaction, there was a negative effect to their business. Hmm. And, and it was really interesting because there was some interchange optimization available. Right. And then when we added up all the components of the process, right. because they had a huge weighted cost of capital, um, sure. in other words, their expense for financing the transaction, that it actually was a negative proposition. Now, that's sometimes a little hard to explain to somebody. <laughs> Yeah. But, then you know, if you don't do this, you're losing money. Right. But suffice it right. to say, we're able to get these net effective costs in a very, right. very compatible range for everybody to right. digest. Well, and we're, what you're saying basically is for that merchant, you're saying it's actually costing you more to you to accept checks or ACH or wires or whatever Absolutely. you're doing than it would if you're accepting cards. Once you take into account the risk, the optimization, the tax benefits, yeah. operational, all the stuff that we're talking about. And it, it's totally counterintuitive, but right. when you have that confidence and that knowledge behind it, right. you can attack this with the, you know, with the CFO or any finance type within an organization. Sure. You know, we give you that ability to be able to go into those situations and be very, very effective. Sure, sure. So, all right. So before we let you go, Roger, I don't want to let you off here before we really help our audience understand exactly what you do. So, yeah. um, you know, what one really quick question right off the bat. I'm assuming that you work with ISOs. Do you do you have a program for like an individual? I'm a single agent and I want this or does it go through the ISO exclusively? Sure. So um, that's a great question, too. So we do. We've developed a one day training course for ISOs. It comprises of soup to nuts four complete modules on B2B where we teach them everything they have to know okay. in a one day training session. That's a one on one. Um, we conduct a lot of them via Zoom today, but when they're local to me, I do them in person right. too. So we've done these with, with tons of ISOs across the country today, and we're continuing to do them. Um, it's very effective, and it gives them not only a sense of everything we talked about, but it also gives them the ability to develop a, an acquisition strategy. I will tell you this, James and Patty, there are B2B leads that are literally being thrown in the garbage today by folks where we teach our our trainees to go out and get them. Um, I don't want to reveal too much because it will be giveaway on the training, sure. but there's a huge opportunity out there that is so ridiculously simple that the ISOs that we've actually presented it to kind of were a little skeptical on day one and said, I don't know about this. And then on day two came back to us and said, I can't believe that this is actually <laughs> true. Right. So uh, there's a ton of B2B opportunity out there and it's for the taking and, and it's closer than you think. So we offer that one day course it's very effective. We kind of uh, work it around the ISO schedule. We typically do a two-hour session, take a break and do a two-hour session with them. And then very uniquely, what we offer is a one-hour follow-up with the ISO. So we don't give them training and then dump it and run. We give them an hour so that they can go out in the field, practice what they've, they, mm -hmm. they've been taught, and then come back to us. And they have like an hour of consulting where they can bounce their ideas up against us or deal constructs or things they've seen, et cetera, mm -hmm. or things maybe they need to brush up on. So we think that's very effective. Um, so, so we've developed this, this one day course and it's very comprehensive soup to nuts for the ISO community. Awesome. And so what you're just to clarify from earlier, you're saying that that would be for an ISO, uh, but, and then an individual agent could also do that if they wanted to make the investment. Is that what you're saying? Or is there a separate program for the individual? Uh, no, we, we would offer it to the individual okay. if they wanted to make the investment Great. themselves. Or if they worked for an ISO and they had multiple people, we have price points for multiple people uh, attending the session. So we, got we've, we've kind of, we've got it across the board. And to be honest, if you're a proprietary sales force as well, um, and you've got, you know, 100, 200 reps out there, we have a package that suits those folks as well. And we've done those training sessions. Sure. And so it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, as far as the the process of implementation here, it sounds like there's a one day uh, training that's pretty, pretty uh, intense and pretty uh, you know, robust. They go through that. And then day two, 
they would be ready to start getting some leads and start trying to get some deals in the works. Is that what you're saying? Uh, absolutely. And they Great. have us as a resource to come back to and sure. bounce the right deals against, which is, you know, kind of unheard of in the training community. So, sure. you know, we're, we're dedicated entirely to B2B training in the merchant services space. That's our forte. That's what we do. That's, you know, everything that we've, we've developed is geared towards that uh, in a very simple, easy to understand method. And we give all the materials that are associated with this, any backup, our calculator, everything that we use for the, for, for, for the training is available to the recipient of the training as well. Sure. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I, I obviously my uh, audience knows I don't very often promote other uh, trainers in the industry because, you know, that's what I do. And there aren't very many, actually. But, you know, we have Mark Beauchamp on here and I wanted to have you on here because I really do believe what you're presenting is very unique. It's definitely not something that I have any interest in creating. It's so interesting because you have this like vast experience in the B2B space. That was really never my specialty when I was out selling I did sell a lot of larger accounts, but they were generally multiple location or larger retail. Um, and so the B2B thing has always been, and it's become, it's become so much more interesting to me over the last couple of years as we've developed our statement analysis tool and done the interchange yes. optimization and worked with Paytrace. And, you know, I started to kind of get more into that world. Um, and what I found, just like I found 10 years ago in the you know B2C side of the industry is no training and there's just no like where do you find this information and i i definitely had this feeling like wow there's something missing so then when i saw what you were doing it's like wow that's awesome so um i definitely want to encourage all of our listeners whether you're an individual agent and you want to try to get this with your iso or whether you're an iso exec um this is information that you need because you're gonna find opportunities one opportunity with one merchant doing three million a month in volume is going to pay for itself and then some. So, uh, Roger, tell us a little bit more about where they should go. Where would you send them to either contact you or go to a website or whatever? Where do they go to learn more about this and, and find out about it? Sure. Um, so our website is www.guide2, the, the number two, interchange.com. Um, the name is a little double barreled. And I kind of, with James, you and I talked about this. Yes. <laughs> so if you're in the business, you think about interchange, obviously, but it's a guide to the interchange between two people. So it has two meanings. Mm -hmm. So we teach a lot about interchange with, uh, with optimization and level two, three data, but it's also the guide to that interchange. Mm -hmm. uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Roger McNamara on LinkedIn. Uh, my email address is guide to interchange at gmail.com. Uh, and, you know, my phone number, I'll throw it in here is 561-379-3151. Again, 561-379-3151. James, one last thing I would add. Yeah, sure. Uh, you, make a you make a really good point about one account paying for this. Um, what we've seen through COVID is a lot of ISOs, books of business have been decimated. Mm -hmm. um, what we've seen in the B2B space is that there's much less of an effect on that business. Oh, 100%. That yep. That business has maintained throughout and in fact is growing. Yep. So yep. Um, if seen the there was an that. ISO that's feeling a little bit isolated now, a little bit under pressure with their book of business, now is the time to kind of take that and run with it into the B2B space because this portion of the business is literally limitless and it gets you away from the pack and into a new space where there's a lot of open water for you to be able to, to, to make hay. Well, you know, Roger, I, I spent a lot of my career in the, uh, you know, ACH check wire world, you know, and, and I always, I've always looked at credit card as sort of like, that's a consumer thing. That's not a B2B thing. Um, and when you and I talked, it just like a light bulb went off in my head. Um, you know, I never understood, you know, the true cost as you explain it. And I think that, you know, when some of our listeners start, start thinking about that, uh, the opportunities are limitless. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I, I've always been, a, like I said, I, I, I often joke, I'm a check, I'm a check maven, but uh, you know, the one thing that is coming up, particularly with COVID is things like check and ACH are not necessarily preferred anymore. You know, yeah, I mean, right. uh, just, just, I, I talk to people, uh, small businesses, medium sized businesses, who talk about the mail delays and getting their checks and how it's like eating them up. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's almost an opportunity with COVID to sort of say, Hey, you know, 
here's another way to improve your balance sheet. You got it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the issuers are not doing any less work in this space. You know, the issuers are out there with VPay and PCAR yep, right. and all yep. sorts of stuff right, driving the demand for this. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that realize what a big opportunity it is. And so uh, hopefully our listeners are going to jump on board and uh, let's let the ISOs take advantage of an opportunity for once, shall we? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, yeah. uh, Roger, such a pleasure having you on today. I really appreciate you sharing all the insights that you have with us. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point in the future. But uh, we wish you great success out there. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Hey, everybody. Today in our quick two-minute uh, promo here for Valor Paytech, the official sponsor of our podcast, um, Patty and I just want to really talk about omni-channel. You know, Patty, this word gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? A lot. It really does. And it, and it, and it seems to have different meanings depending on who's talking about it yeah. or, or where they're talking about it. Yes. But I think this is really, you know, it's very, very important today, especially yes. to have an omni-channel uh, presence and, 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 you know, to be able to serve your customers, no matter where they want to exactly where they want to do business. Yeah, exactly. And so I think for those listeners who are like, what is omni-channel? Well, omni-channel simply means you're able to take payments in store. You're able to take payments online. You're able to take payments via like emailing an invoice that has a link on it. You know, all of these things or a curbside curbside. You know, yes, uh, everything. Right. Um, and so, everything. you know, I really believe that there have been some really good omni-channel solutions for larger merchants, you know, POS solutions and things like that. But I think for mm -hmm. small to medium merchants, they, they really haven't had a great solution that was processor agnostic anyway. That's where Valor no. Paytech really fits in. Um, you know, they provide an amazing dashboard, the ability, it's like a gateway. You can send uh, email uh, invoices out. Um, they have, of course, their, their terminal in place, all of that built with cash discounting and surcharging in mind. Um, and so uh, I really think it's a great omni-channel solution for those small to medium merchants that are looking for that standalone terminal, but they want more than that, right, Patty? They want, they want a little bit right. more. <laughs> And, and, and it also has some really cool bells and whistles, you know, like customer satisfaction, you know, email. I mean, you know, the idea that you can capture the email and, and right. market to people. Digital receipts you know, and all that. Various, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, if you want to learn more about Valor, definitely head over to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and check it out. I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field, with James Shepard. So uh, today, uh, in questions from the field, Patty, I'm actually going to answer a real question that I just got yesterday, which I thought was a really good one. Um, uh, this question came from Zach. And Zach asked me and said, James, if you were starting an ISO today, um, what would you focus on? Because, you know, there's so many things, right? There's cash yeah. discounting, there's B2B, there's all these things. And so my response to him was that there are three things I would choose from uh, to focus on, and these three focuses would largely be determined by the sales force that I either had or that I was going to recruit, okay? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. here's the way I broke it down for him. If I was going to be recruiting green agents uh, from other industries, agents that maybe don't have a ton of experience uh, in, in payments at all and, and in sales in general... I would, without a doubt, do cash discounting, and I would target, you know, physical locations, small, medium-sized businesses in a, in a local area with more of a scatter, you know, strategy. I wouldn't have a sure. really specific vertical. I would just say, go walk into all the businesses on this street and talk about eliminating the cost of payments. Um, and I, you know, I I recently made like a three and a half, four-hour video training course called How to Sell Cash Discounting that. You know, I made that for specifically for that purpose because I know that's what a lot of people are doing. And so if you're trying to get green agents sure. into the industry um, and you're not focusing on cash discounting, that could be a mistake. I mean, it is just so easy. I agree. It's so profitable. It's just, you know, there's a lot of advantages there. Um, well, then, and, and, and the training is so much easier, right? I mean, yes, of course, it's a lot easier to train them on, sale, on cash discounting than than 
right. and, you know, selling on, on point on basis. Points. Exactly. It's like in a way you almost don't need to understand payments as much as right. you need to be able to explain that you're going to eliminate the cost of payments. Right. Um, and so it's a lot easier to explain. Now, again, you know, the more knowledge you have, the better it gets no matter what. But, you know, it's it's easier to get somebody off the off the ground. I could get somebody literally, you know, go through a three and a half, four hour video course in the morning, take an hour break, come back and do Q&A and role play in the afternoon. And the next day they could be cold calling. I mean, you know, right. literally you can right. get them out the door that fast. So that's right. a big advantage with green agents. Now, if you have agents that are a little bit more experienced in payments, right, um, and your company has more of a focus on technology, then I think another really valid path would be to pick a specific vertical and then really go all in on the technology integration and payment integration with that technology in that vertical. So it's like we're going to go after hair salons or pizza shops or whatever it is and, you know, partner with a POS uh, solution provider, understand, you know, how to integrate the online and the offline. So as people right. have seen lately, I've become a pretty big advocate for Zusa. So you can go to getzusa.com. That's one that has the online ordering and all of that kind of stuff. So think about, you know, again, if it's a hair salon, you would need online scheduling of an appointment, right? Sure. And an sure. in-store point of sale. So I would really go all in on that strategy and go after one specific vertical. Mm-hmm. And again, even for the individual agents, this applies to you. If you're a green agent, you're brand new coming into the industry and you're like, what should I sell? You should sell cash discounting. Um, if you've been in for a while and you're starting to try to figure out, okay, I really want to build something long term. I want to really you know, get to the next level. Maybe start thinking about you know, looking at one vertical and getting becoming an expert in the technology for that vertical to be online and in store with a seamless integration there. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third one, which goes great with our episode today, is I told him this a couple of days ago. I told him, I said, you know, you really should think about if you're a true payments professional. I mean, you know how to read a statement. You understand right. interchange. You know, right. you, you're a payments professional. Go B2B. No yeah. doubt about it. It's it's a and the people understand this from a financial perspective. It's actually a much larger opportunity than cash discounting. Um, the payoff is huge. It is. Well, for the two reasons. Payoff. Yeah, for two reasons, right? One is the residual itself is actually larger on average, right. significantly larger. If you present it correctly, like Roger was talking about, where mm-hmm. you know you get a supplier that's doing, most of these suppliers are doing a million, two million a month in volume. A lot of them are. I shouldn't say most, but, but a lot of them are. There's, sure. a, there's a lot of them out there. And if you can actually get them instead of running 30, 40,000, and you know, it's like they, a lot of people, it's like Roger was saying, they're only getting the credit card volume that the supplier is grudgingly like, there's no other right. way to get this payment. I guess I'll let, I guess I'll take a card. You want to get right. it to where they feel like, wow, taking plastic is a good idea for our company. And now you're getting 300, 400, 500,000 a month, a million a month in volume. Um, you're going to, you know, especially with um, interchange optimization and other things to add some margin in there. I mean, mm-hmm. you can make a thousand dollars a month on these accounts in residual. I mean, you really can. Um, right. I've seen several uh, lately through our statement analysis side. I've seen several where the the rep was going to make over two thousand a month in residual on one B two B account. Wow! So it's a huge opportunity. But then huge. the other thing is, yeah. you also have to look at the um, the attrition. So cash discounting because it's mainly and I and again I know I'm going to make everybody upset here, but you know I'm sorry, but the data is just there. There are facts. Truth is the truth. Um, cash discounting is still disproportionately with smaller merchant accounts. Okay. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the smaller the merchant account, the the more likely they are to do cash discounting. Now I know there's a lot of huge accounts doing cash discounting, and I'm not saying there's not. I'm just saying statistically it's more it's more likely with the scenario I talked about earlier with the green agents, they're gonna be going after the smaller accounts and selling cash discounting. Well, those businesses that are doing cash discounting are massively, you know, more likely to go out of business and to stop processing than a million a month, two million a month maybe right. supplier. They're right. they're they're just they're the machinations of the economy almost mean nothing to them. I mean it just doesn't impact their business the same way it does a consumer type business. There's a trickle down effect, but from an attrition perspective, you just can't really do better than um you know B2B. They those accounts are going to stick with you forever if you as long as you take care of them and give them what they need. Yeah, excellent. Good, great stuff, James. Thanks. Thanks, Patty. So there you go. Go after one of those three, whether you're an individual agent or an ISO. And for an ISO, they can even do multiple. You can bring people in to sell cash discounting, mm-hmm. right? And bring people in to sell B2B. B2B. And then in the middle, have some 
marketing campaigns they can participate in of, hey, this month we're all going after pizza shops. We have a special training about it. We have a new POS partnership. Then you can go sell it. We're going to we're gonna use our telemarketers to generate leads for you. Like you can do that approach and you can have the B2B with somebody like a Roger McNamara. So I think for the ISOs, they need to look at all three of these and figure out how they fit in. And then the individual agents, you know, they just need to pick one and go after it. So there you go. Excellent, James. Thank you. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So, uh, you know, this week, James, I want to share some interesting data crunched by NMI. It comes from a survey of 300 merchants across the nation and across verticals. Okay. Uh, there were about a, about a third of them were brick and mortar only, about two thirds were brick and mortar and online. Okay. Um, and, and here's some stuff that I just think this, you know, it, it's sort of encouraging for our audience. Uh, you know, we, we've had some uh, rough economic news lately. So, uh, right. you know, I thought I'd, I'd bring up some of this. Uh, you know, some basics, the most common uh, payment methods used for in-store payments, swipe and e EMV are about 40% each. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was interested because we've talked about contactless and everything, uh, tap to pay, which is the NFC stuff, uh, and mobile payments were only about 6% each. Uh, hmm. But here's the interesting thing. Most merchants, 31%, would prefer customers pay using EMV cards. Huh. Followed by followed by swipe, obviously, and then tap to pay. Sure. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, and uh, the other thing um, that I thought was interesting is the payment technology investments that merchants have made since March. Right. Uh, and not surprisingly, contactless is far and away the most common with 57% of merchants investing in contactless technology. Hmm. Um, pay an app, which I thought this is another interesting one. Pay an app, you know, like the Star yeah. like Starbucks and right uh, was uh, thirty five percent. Wow, that was very surprising to me that yeah. thirty five of them had invested in that. Yeah, and then uh, about about three in ten had um, purchased new uh, POS systems. Okay, and here's another interesting one. About a quarter of them had. Um, invested in digital receipts and think oh, about that right yeah. because i know for me uh i think it's great when the merchant says to me do you want me to hand you the receipt or you want an email right. email please <laughs> you know? right 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 yep and and that seems to be you know to me that's an opportunity well um, of course then the then the merchant grabs the email address in addition to not having to pay for the cost it. of paper right <laughs> so it's a right win-win it's a win-win um and here um was another one interesting data point. Just shy of a quarter, 23% of merchants surveyed said they had lost sales because they didn't offer customers uh, the contactless option. Wow. What was that percentage again? 23%. Wow. Hmm. That's, uh, you know, <clears throat> that's huge. So if you, you know, if you have merchants out there that aren't doing contactless, I would take that to them, you yeah, know, and say, sure. you're losing sales, uh, yeah. whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yep. and um, but I thought it was also interesting about the same number said that they don't see enough customer demand for contactless, um, hmm. which, you know, is about 20 percent. So it's, it's you know, I, th frankly, I really I really believe a lot of that is driven by geography. I um, that's that was the point I was just going to make. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, I know like in, in my in my now I, I really do like the EMV, but I mean, in my market. You know, there's a lot of small businesses that are not, you know, accepting contactless yet. And I mean, I do think mm -hmm. that they lose some business, mm -hmm. but I think their perception is that they're not losing business right. um, because, you know, a lot of people are not going to say anything about it in my area. I'm in a very rural, you know, area in Pennsylvania. Same here. Right. Yeah. Whereas right. I think if you're a, a merchant in L.A. or in New York, I think consumers are going to be much more likely to say, what do you mean you don't have contactless? What's wrong with you? <laughs> You know what I well, mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And in fact, I had a conversation like this with a friend who lives in D.C. And okay. she said to me, if they don't take contactless, I'm not going. Right. You know, it's the only thing I'm doing right now is contactless. Right. Um, 
and and again, you know, she has a lot more choice than you and I do, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> so, right. You right. know, I think that that's part of it as well. But I do think that those things tend to to uh, you know trickle down, shall we say? Right. right. Uh, to sure. to the more rural markets. So I had one. This was an interesting data point that I really thought would uh, you know I wanted to end this on an optimistic yeah, note. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, they asked merchants what they what their anticipation was for 2021, and uh, nearly two thirds, 62 percent, said they expect revenues next year to exceed 2020 title totals. Sure, sure. Um, well, and I have and to wonder only- too. I would imagine that that this this data you're referring to, I would imagine probably even came before. The, before these- the election. Well, yeah, but I'm saying before the last two announcements about the vaccines. Right. The one yeah. at ninety percent efficacy and the one at ninety five percent that just came right. out. Which, again, regardless of your opinion about vaccines and whether or not you want to take it, I mean, the obvious yeah. thing is here that is going to have a dramatic impact on the opening back up of the economy. Dramatic. I mean, just as an aside, uh, you know, I was supposed to take a trip this this week with a friend who, you know, to go out west. Right. We were going to go to California. They put a fourteen day uh, quarantine thing in, and we were like, Nah, I'm not going to go we'll now. Wait. And my friend even said to me, that's okay, Patty, we'll wait for the vaccine. Right, <laughs> you know? right, exactly. And, and you know, and, and that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for people, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I also thought that, uh, you know, and, and, and like you said, it was before the election, it was before the vaccine announcements. So I think that total is going to go up. And um, to, to, to pair with that, 21% said they think it's going to be about the same as 2020. And again, you know, I think that number's, you know, going to go down and those more right, are going to shift right. to the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think, it's, be, I think it's definitely promising. becoming, yeah, it's definitely becoming clear that by the second quarter, uh, you know, right. this vaccine and stuff like that, it takes a while. I mean, but I think by the second quarter of 2021, I mean, regardless of your, uh, you know, political opinions or your beliefs about vaccines or whatever, I mean, by second quarter 2021, you know, the rationale for keeping the economy closed is is going to be pretty thin, I think, at that point. And so oh, hopefully, yeah. you know, everything will be opened up and it'll be back to somewhat, you know, business as usual. Yeah, I agree, I agree James. I think that, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, when when we when all is said and done, it's going to be a year that a year of living tough. Um, you yes. know, March to March, but I yeah. think that after yeah, right. after March, we're going to things are going to start lifting and yeah. And um, so Good stuff, That's Patty. my that's my report. Thanks, James. I love it. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.